Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Good evening, everyone. Um, This passage has been one that I haven't always understood, but it's sort of really come alive in the last few days, and I really want to share some of the things from it. So it's from John 1, verses 43 to 51. Jesus calls Philip and Nathanael. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Lord, we pray you'd open our hearts to whatever you are trying to teach us through this passage. You know that I need this more than anyone Please teach me, please teach all of us to let go of our prejudices and come and meet you. In Jesus' name, amen. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Is not this statement so familiar? Except rather than Nazareth, insert one of a million other reasons why we might dismiss a person or idea out of hand. And for most of us, we are a very British and oh so polite, and we don't say this out loud, but if we're honest, this is the rough form of our internal dialogue. So this encounter of Jesus with Nathaniel reveals three things about our prejudices. First, it reveals the hard truth that prejudice separates us from one another, and ultimately it separates us from Jesus as it could have done for Nathaniel. Second, Jesus sees us and loves us even in the midst of our prejudice and invites us to meet him and come and let it go. And thirdly, no one who chooses Jesus over their prejudice will ever be disappointed. He is infinitely more beautiful and infinitely more satisfying. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Collins Dictionary defines prejudice as 
Prejudice is an unreasonable dislike of a particular group of people or things, or a preference for one group of people or things over another. So Nathaniel originally dismisses Jesus just because he grew up in Nazareth. He belongs to that particular group. He's Jesus the Nazarene. And because of this box that he has fit him into, Nathaniel is ready to assume that he has nothing good to say. It's guilt by association with this label called Nazarene. So Nathaniel fits this dictionary definition of prejudice, a preference for one group of people over another. In this case, a preference against the group of people who happen to live in this little town called Nazareth. So we see here, even in the first chapter of John, Jesus is already the victim of prejudice. This is mild, of course, compared to the sort of prejudice he will face later in his life. But even so, before he's even said a word to Nathaniel, before he even knows anything about him, he is ready to dismiss him out of hand because he is a Nazarene. That could have been the end of the story for Nathaniel. Prejudice shuts down discussion and it cuts off potentially beautiful flowers of friendship while they're still little seedlings. Yet it wasn't. It wasn't the end for Nathaniel because of these next three words spoken by Philip, his friend. Come and see. Come and see. This is like a mighty battering ram in a human heart that can sometimes break through prejudice as mighty as the walls of Jericho. And that battering ram is the battering ram of desperate spiritual longing. You see, Philip introduces Jesus as, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. These are, you could say, at last words. At last, they have found the one whom they've been longing for for centuries. At last, the one through whom God would deliver them. At last, they have found the Messiah. This is a deep, deep longing, clearly cherished by both Philip and Nathaniel. So when Philip invites Nathaniel to come and see, you can think of two opposing forces rising up like armies in his heart. First, there is this army of prejudice against Nazarenes. And the second one is the army of this desperate spiritual longing. And they clash. And guess what? By God's grace, the desperate longing for Jesus wins the victory. And Nathaniel comes to give Jesus a shot. He comes to see him. When we become desperate enough for Jesus, we are willing to abandon even our most cherished prejudices against people. And the thing is, when you truly meet the living Jesus, it is impossible to be underwhelmed by him. If our whole life is not overwhelmed when we meet Jesus, then we can't have really, I mean, really met the real Jesus. Remember that Jesus is the infinite God come to earth as a human being, the one who fills the whole universe with his presence, the one who knows the intricate movement of every single little subatomic particle, the one who created billions and billions of galactic neighborhoods, the one who moved into our neighborhood. He is the only true infinity 
in the whole of reality. When we meet him with an open heart, surely we cannot fail to be transformed. And so, what prejudice could stand up to that sort of infinite love? And so, when Nathaniel takes that first brave step to come and see the one he was willing to dismiss out of hand, his whole life is transformed. How does Jesus, how does Jesus encounter Nathaniel? Well, from verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Isn't that amazing? This same Nathaniel who had aired his, his prejudice so flagrantly, who scornfully exclaimed, Nazareth, can anyone good come from there? Is now saying of Jesus, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. What explains this mighty change of heart in a moment? Again, it only takes a few words of Jesus to change everything. He says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And just like that, Nathaniel is changed forever. But why? What Jesus is referring to here is not that he actually saw with his human eyes Philip sitting under a fig tree. Rather, he's referring to something, we don't know exactly what, but something that happened in private before Jesus ever came close in body. Some have suggested that Nathaniel was in prayer under his fig tree, calling out to the God that he yearned to meet with this desperate, holy longing. Jesus is saying here, I am the one you were speaking to when you cried out to God in secret. I was there by my spirit. I saw your prayer. I know you already, a true Israelite, one of the people who cries out to God. So here, Nathaniel meets in the human body of Jesus, the same God that he had prayed to and cried out to so desperately all of his life. All it took was to actually meet the living Jesus, or rather for Jesus to come to meet him. You see, Jesus knows that we have prejudice against him. He knows we're prejudiced against other people, but still he sees us. He sees us under the fig tree. He sees our sufferings. He sees our most secret prayers. He sees those longings so deep and desperate within us. The ones, you know those ones, you don't even dare admit them to yourself. And so he comes to meet us just where we are. And in that place, the mighty walls of prejudice fall with a great crash. All it takes is for us to come and see. This one little encounter changed everything. Yet, even this, even this knocking down of these walls, Jesus says, this is only the first step. With the infinite one, you can never get to the end of the journey. That's the nature of infinity. You just go deeper and deeper and deeper into this ocean of wonder. 
If just the taste of Jesus, a common sea was so explosive for Nathaniel, what about his infinite depths? Into this boundless awe, Jesus invites him. In verse 50, Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Is that not just tantalizing? You will see greater things than that. Think of your highest ever moment of joy, your highest ever spiritual encounter with Jesus, the closest to him, the closest to God you have ever felt. Jesus says, you will see greater things than that. Have you found a peace in the Lord that surpasses all understanding? You will see greater things than that. Have you found a love that is greater than life itself? You will see greater things than that. When we meet the living Jesus, it is impossible not to be overwhelmed with wonder. What are these greater things? Miracles? Signs? Wonders? Yes, but they're small fry. These are only the beginning. They're just like that little morning star heralding the glorious sweeping dawn about to come over the horizon. Jesus soars even higher into verse 51. He then added, as if there wasn't enough to add, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The reference here is to a time thousands of years before, to the original founder of Israel, Jacob. He's in quite a state. He's fleeing for his life from his brother Esau, whom he had just deceived. He's gone to sleep with nothing but a stone for a pillow. But there, in the most unlikely of circumstances, God meets him too in a dream. Here's what Genesis 28:12 says. He, as in Jacob, had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Notice that last phrase, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. That's what Jesus seems to be referencing here. Nathaniel knew the scriptures, he'd know that. Jesus here was claiming not only to be a miracle worker, that's tiny, but to be the very stairway that connected here on earth with the glory of God in heaven, the place of the highest manifestation of God's person. Forget Led Zeppelin. Jesus was saying, I am the stairway to heaven. I am the true stairway to heaven. I am the fullness of what Jacob dreamt so long ago. This Jacob, who was renamed Israel, so, I am truly Israel's dream come true. I am the one who is here to connect you all here on earth with the fullest manifestation of God. Because I am God come to you in human form. Through me, you can truly know the infinitely holy, infinitely wondrous, infinitely loving God. And I am serious about this. These are not just words. I will go all the way and give my life in agony upon the cross in order to make this happen, to bring you back to me. For I am the way and the truth and the life. This was a far greater hope than Nathaniel could have ever dreamt for. Nathaniel had longed for the Messiah. Jesus meets him as the Messiah, but blows apart everything he had ever imagined by coming to him as God in human form. 
We see here the sheer ridiculousness of prejudice. Imagine, imagine what he said now. Nathaniel saying to Philip, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Imagine if he had just done that and just walked away, as so many others did when they first met Jesus. He would have missed out on this literally infinitely wonderful relationship with the God he had all his life long to be close to. For what? For the sake of some cherished prejudice? For the next time Nathaniel is mentioned, it's John 21 verse 2, it's in a boat where there's a mysterious figure upon the shoreline. It's the risen Jesus. And this time, instead of hearing Philip say, come and see, Jesus himself says, come and have breakfast. And Nathaniel would have missed out on all this. Breakfast with the God who fills the universe for the sake of label. That's where labels, name-calling, categorizing people in these silly little boxes is so toxic. If you build a castle around yourself, you end up alone. The main one who suffers after the one who tastes the bitter sting of our prejudice is actually ourselves. When we write someone off because of some feature of who they are, a label we associate them with, like Nazarene, or insert your own label here, we could be missing out on a relationship with riches unsearchable. Can we be real here? None of us wants to think of ourselves as a prejudiced person. But Jesus sees us under the fig tree here tonight. He sees us with eyes of such compassion. We are safe to be completely honest with him tonight. He already knows, and still he loves. What is our prejudice today? What group of people do we not want to listen to because they fit in this certain little box that we've given them this tag of this certain label? Tonight, we know Jesus sees us in this place, and he loves us. And he wants to meet us in the midst of those castles of prejudice and break down every wall. There is so much freedom here. Do you think Nathaniel, sitting on that seashore in the golden morning light, eating breakfast around the fire with the risen Jesus, ever regretted letting down his guard all those years earlier? When we abandon our prejudice, we often come face to face with Jesus. He has come that we might have life and have it to the full. Let's leave the labels to the supermarkets. We don't need them here. We long for our church to be a label-free zone, free from all this silly, unfruitful name-calling and labeling that characterizes all the world. Let's break free of this. They hang these labels like chains around our necks, yet we ridiculously cherish them. Let's be a place free from this sort of guilt by association, lest, lest we miss out on the riches of the glory of everything that God wants to do among us. After all, what is this place? Think of it. What is our final destination? Where is this train in which we are all going? We believe in the transformation of the whole earth and the redeemed people of God made perfectly one. One day we will be all together. One day all these prejudices that are so bitter now will be a distant memory. One day the perfect love Jesus so enthrallingly speaks of here will be an eternal, perfect reality. 
So why do we hold on to these labels, these divisions in his people now? So I'm going to invite the band up now. We're going to move into a time of prayer about this. I know I need this more than anyone. I know in my own heart, I see there these horrible biases and prejudices that I am far too ashamed to admit to anyone but to the one who already knows them all. Would you like to stand here today? His invitation is for all of us to come to him, to come and see. Will our desperate longing for him win out against our attachment to our labels? He leads us to soar high above anywhere we have ever imagined, arm in arm with him and with each other. Will we take this handed invitation he is holding out to us? This is with no one else. This is between you and Jesus. Let's have a few minutes before him now. I invite you to offer whatever those cherished labels and biases are into his hands. He sees us here tonight. He wants to meet us and fill us with his love. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.